3: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get started today, I want to remind you that we are brought to you today by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, thanks everyone for bearing with us uh, with a a week off. We're going to be on the every other week schedule until basically the season starts again, it, assuming that it does, because we realize that if it everything goes according to plan, we wouldn't have a chance to take any kind of a break, and there's not that much going on right now. But that's no reason that we can't come up with a great podcast. We are quite skilled at coming up with podcasts when nothing is going on. So, John, tell the listeners what we're doing here.
2: We're doing uh, NBA superlatives today, some of the best and worst in the league in different categories it's it's almost like an award show except it's except it's not award categories it's other stuff
3: yeah and i was inspired by this because you'll always hear people be like oh he's the best pastor of the nba or he's one of the best pastors in the nba so we're like all right let's put our money where our mouth is here and actually pick who we think is the best in these categories usually people don't do this they'll just be like oh he's uh one of the best pastors in the nba and then you're not really actually going through it and deciding like who who you think does the best job so uh why don't we start with that one? I think that's a, a good one here. You know, we'll, we'll throw out the, the people that we had as candidates and, and then we'll each pick one. So uh, who, who is in your universe here of the best passers in the NBA?
2: Okay. So when I first pondered this question, there were six names that came to my mind as potentially being in this discussion, uh, which were LeBron James, uh, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, uh, Trey Young, James Harden and Ricky Rubio.
3: Okay, I would, I did not have Harden in there. Um, I think maybe in part just because he's now just doing so much ISO and isn't penetrating as much where he's creating the opening. And he also can't pass with his right hand at all. He can't even pass from the right side of the floor to the left side of the floor very well if he's on the move like that which is a big part of why he gets played defensively the way he does where everybody tries to make him drive to his right or keep him on the right side of the floor because he just he doesn't really seem able to hit shooters on the right to left passes the way he can left to right passes that's that's why I left him out of this Mm -hmm. exceedingly high company I'm guessing he wasn't going to be your number one anyway
2: no he was not
3: yeah I mean there's certain things he's unbelievable at like he might be the best player of all time hitting a pocket pass to the roll man when he's double teamed out top. Like he, he's just perfect with those bounce passes, but I think I needed like a little more versatility.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, who did you have anyone that was not on my list?
3: Uh, you said Jokic, right? Yes. Um, you know, uh, Chris Paul still, I think he Mm -hmm. at least deserves to be talked about. Uh, and, Rajon Rondo, much as I dislike the other aspects of his game, he still is a, an absolutely wonderful passer. he That's all he can do, mm-hmm. but uh, he is really outstanding at that. I mean, he's hes stayed in the league basically because of that one skill.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would say, so Rondo and Trey Young, the one demerit I would give both of them is that they definitely uh, have a history of passing for the assist as opposed to passing for the for the basketball play.
3: Trey you Trey Young, I mean the guy scores like thirty a game. Like I don't no. think he's passing up shots. You think he's No, no, up? no.
2: He's it's not that he's passing up so Trey Young doesn't do what Rondo the specific thing Rondo would do would be like two on none break, you know, he stops short and then passes it to the guy. Or like Trey Young isn't passing up layups to get an assist, but
3: the, He only passes when it is he want is He that, doesn't want to make for? the
2: pass that leads to the pass that leads to the bucket.
3: I see. Well, there's also no one else who can Receive the pass and then make the pass that <laughs> leads could, to the bucket. This that, could, it,
2: yes. <laughs> a Hawks observer would argue that this is entirely a theoretical construct. Uh, yeah. based based on the rest of the
4: roster.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, like all these guys have their merits for sure. I mean, Trey, just his incredible angles that he finds the roll man at, some of these bouncers out into space uh, are pretty awesome. Um, I mean, did you ha- who did you have seriously in contention for the top spot?
2: So the three guys that well almost for like I I didn't quite have Ricky on the on the level of these uh, other guys although yeah. I mean like I think he's really an amazing passer and the fact that he people don't really play him to score makes him more amazing but I I can't quite put him on the level of the uh, of the top three guys who I think are LeBron Jokic and Luca and even Luca like Luca has has this incredible feel as a passer. I'm just not quite sure he's quite on the level yet where LeBron and Jokic are, where it's it's just constant genius. And so those were the two guys that ended up at the top. It was really hard for me to pick between them.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, you've got the best passing center of all time. Ultimately, though, i go with LeBron because as a center, you just don't have to make... There just aren't as many inputs. A lot of the times... You're just standing there kind of waiting for stuff to happen around you. You're not facing the basket attacking. You're off the dribble. So you have to wait for the ball to get back into your hand. The help defense is coming over. Like you don't have just those quick reactions that you have to make where it's just all over the floor deciding whether to shoot a score. Uh, you know, Jokic, you're, you're as a center. It's just a little easier Mm -hmm. when you're just kind of standing there with the ball in the post, two hands on the ball. I mean, he could make plays on the move, but not like LeBron. You know, I mean, yeah. you're so I, I think, I think LeBron is it. I mean, he's, he's the best ever at finding shooters on the weak side. Uh, he throws at a million miles an hour, doesn't turn it over very often. Uh, it's
2: and could throw it, with yeah. both hands.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and this is the biggest thing, right? I mean, all three of the guys you mentioned, I would have had the same top three, I think, six, eight or taller. You know, like being yeah. able, being tall is more important, I think, than it's ever been. As a passer, because you got to be able to see that guy on the weak side, you got to be able to throw it from a high release point so it's on a line. You don't have to like loop a lot of arc on it to get it over the defense. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, almost more like a quarterback these yeah, days.
2: Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, LeBron's able to throw those passes with so much zip because, as you say, he can get over high, high hands from a six-two guy or whatever. Whereas, um, you know, a guy a guy like Trey Young can't always throw that pass on a line. He has to beat he has to beat a defender to throw that pass on a line. Whereas Le- Le- LeBron can be corralled and still just whip the thing over a defender into the opposite corner.
3: Yeah, and you, you never fully divorce passing with other skills too, because like you were saying with Rubio, sometimes if you don't have the gravity to create the opening to make the pass, you're never gonna know whether he could have thrown the pass right. So yeah. there is a I mean, when you look at it's not necessarily okay if you put Ricky Rubio in LeBron James's body and gave him the same openings, you know, would he have the same production? Like it's just. Ultimately, it has to just be, you know, what are you doing with the opportunities that you yourself can create in some ways. Yeah. Uh do you want to do the worst passer in the NBA? The worst passer
2: in the NBA. Yeah, sure. Uh,
3: I mean, I was I, thinking I, you. This could even be like a team award.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, t- tell me, t- tell me what you came up with. I, got, I, I came up, I came up with a couple names, but. Uh, but i'm interested to hear who you have here
3: well i mean between Darius Garland Colin Sexton <laughs> and Kevin Porter Jr not a ton of passing on the perimeter for the the Cleveland Cavaliers i mean i think Sexton uh, I, I, one of the things i really look at here is just how often do you have the ball in your hands compared to like how often are you setting guys up i mean Sexton is just you know for a guy who has the ball as much as he does and has as many opportunities as he does, he just does not find people. It's like, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's, you know, his job as a, a guy on the perimeter setting guys up, you know, it's a little different if you're Carmelo Anthony or something where you're getting the ball in a position to score in an isolation. Like, your role is to take the shot every time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Colin Sexton would be the guy that pops out to me. Is, is there anyone else you think – uh deserves some mention here so
2: i had two bigs here on my list uh Hassan whiteside and enos Cantor.
3: yeah whiteside uh definitely can be a bit of a black hole that is that's certainly uh, i feel that one mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean when you're talking about bigs it's a little uh, but the guys who have the ball in their hands all the time and those are the yeah. ones who really have the chances like whiteside again like Okay. He, if he gets double team in the post or whatever, but like he's supposed to get the ball around the basket and finish, like passing is not his raison d'etre the way a point guard is.
2: Yeah. Um, the other guy I wrote down was Kyle Kuzma, who plays on an awesome team and still never passes.
3: Yeah. That's, uh, that's a tough one there. Uh,
2: I, I like the team award though. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that.
3: I, I mean, it was just so too hard to choose. I, I mean, <laughs> Ke- Kevin Love certainly would. Would, uh, would agree, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. or, or a, a position group. <laughs> Your podcast
2: has been hacked by Kevin Love.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, among guards, I think Colin Sexton. If you just go through every point guard or shooting guard who does a lot off the dribble, I think he's easily the worst. In I the mean, NBA. for
2: him to start all year with that kind of responsibility on offense and average three assists a game was pretty sad.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you'd be. Hard pressed to just find any player who's like six one or shorter who plays that many minutes who'd average that few assists. And yeah. you have to go back to just like total, you know, a David Wesley like shooting specialist type of guy who was playing the two.
2: Yeah, yeah. It'd be like Bryn Forbes or somebody, but yeah.
3: Uh so did your mattress come in yet, by the way? Your Helix sleep mattress?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. We got so we got it this week, uh set it up already. It's great. Um so you know we 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 don't really like those uh, soft mushy mattresses. So you're able to choose and kind of uh, customize your mattress from Helix. And so we got one that was that was nice and firm, uh, which which my wife and I both love. And then because the um, because of how it's how it's set up with the with the uh, coils, like when I get into bed, it doesn't move her side, which she loves because I would always wake her up when I when I got in and out of bed. And now it's, it's, uh, they're, they're like, the two sides are like completely independent. So it's, it's great. It's an amazing bed.
3: Yeah. It, it's a lot better than your, uh, time machine that took you back to 2002 every time you laid down in it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That, that was, that was getting a little rough. We, we had, we hadn't swapped out beds in a while. So this, this has definitely been a major upgrade.
3: Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with Helix Sleep, helixsleep.com slash P E R is your link to get started with them take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life i i have a number of these i'm actually getting one for my sister for a wedding present john just got his he's really happy with it that's the beauty of it is it's made for you you can get the one uh with that two minute sleep quiz that is exactly what you need And right now they're offering up to 200 off all mattress orders So get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash PER. Don't forget that slash PER link to let them know that you came from us. rockauto.com is the best way to find parts for your automobile. All you have to do is put in the make and model of your car and they'll show you everything that's available for your car. It's much easier than going to an actual store there's not really much reason to do that anymore i personally am trying to stay out of stores right now and do you really need to go up to the counter explain what part you need wait for the guy to go into the computer and look at the very same interface that you could just look at at home to look up the part number and then tell you ah, you know we don't have it but we can order it for you and then you realize it's actually not only have you gone to the store but it's going to get there slower than it would have you just ordered it from rockauto.com right away best of all the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers none of those bulk discounts for mechanics you're getting the same price so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts and have it be more complicated go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck make sure you write locked on the name of this network in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com don't forget to write locked on in there how did you hear about us bach okay i'll I'll leave it up to you here what category you want to hit next john uh
2: so here's one that i thought was interesting um fastest player in the nba
3: yeah this one is tough because a lot of the players that i would have picked have slowed down a little bit john wall russell westbrook victor ladipo had an injury, so. I'm not sure where to go on this one, but I, I would like to hear who you came up with.
2: Okay. So the first name I wrote down was Prime John Wall. And then yeah. I realized, okay, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Um, as you mentioned, Oladipo, uh, Darren Collison was, was out of the league this year, who's, who's another yeah. one people don't really think of, but is crazy fast, straight lines. Um, the two guys I came up with, um, I, I think Giannis and LeBron are still really fast, but I, I don't know if they're quite this fast. Uh, ben Simmons and De'Aaron Fox.
3: De'Aaron Fox, I think, is is probably the one for me. I do think if you just lined everyone up just in starting blocks and had them run forty yards, that LeBron might still be the fastest. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he doesn't accelerate quite as quickly. But really, at absolute full speed, it might still be him. Yeah. Um, and, and but and when you're talking about with the ball, you know, he and Giannis, especially Giannis, when he just sees the opening around half court and you see him take that hard dribble and start to accelerate. And you know that he's going to be at the basket in like two seconds. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty remarkable. But yeah, I think, and maybe John Morant will have a chance to get so on this list th- as well. I,
2: I had, there are three other names I thought were worth mentioning yeah. here. Uh, John ja Morant, uh, Russell Westbrook still. Yeah, still. Um, and then the other guy I think people wouldn't maybe think of, uh, but I wrote down Willie cauley Stein.
3: Yeah. I mean, he was a wide receiver prospect to, in, high school and, and yeah he i mean when he really puts it in gear He'd but yeah i cook. mean in terms of yeah. the guy who not only is the fastest but uses his speed the most i think you'd have to say darren fox followed by maybe westbrook would be the second one where you really just see it the most often
2: yeah 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 and again pri- prime john wall i think is the is still the go-to example here but we don't know what we're going to get from john wall once he comes back
3: okay this one i think is, is interesting. Best athlete in the NBA, and so I think this is something that, especially in the draft, when you talk about a guy being a great athlete, Chad Ford, your podcast partner, pioneered this—a nuclear athlete. I think when he was talking about tyrus Thomas back in two thousand six. And so, what are we talking about when we're saying the best athlete?
2: I think s- speed, leaping, and quickness—the the three things that come to mind for me.
3: Do you? So you don't put strength in it at all?
2: Ooh, that's interesting.
3: I, I guess that's part of the package, yeah. but I
2: I think of it more in terms of just power, like not yeah. not necessarily physically leaning on someone, but when somebody cut like when when Russell Prime Wessel Resper comes down the lane and dunks and everyone, like it's so powerful and explosive. Right? If you, you like, know? dudes
3: bounce off the guy, right? Yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I, like I wouldn't Andrew Wiggins isn't quite up there for me, but like I would have a hard time picking him. Or Derek Jones Jr. because I think they're just a little bit too thin. Like they they can kind of get bounced around a little bit. Like they don't they don't have, quite have that force.
2: Right, right, right. So this is another category where I think three or four years ago it might have been a better list actually. Yeah. Um. When you had prime LeBron and prime Westbrook and so right now who would you say? I mean, you, you could argue for Giannis, although I think his his length is still probably the biggest thing for him rather than his yeah. athleticism. Uh, so Zion Williamson, to me, was the number one guy. Yeah, you know, he
3: doesn't have the lateral quickness to me. That was the biggest thing where I, I, I think he doesn't have it right now. And also, I mean, this is part of being an athlete, too, stamina. I think mm-hmm. that's got to be a little bit of a part of it, too, which I don't think he necessarily has right now either. So, um, yeah, I think... You know, as like a leaper around the rim, uh, I might put him on there. Uh, like, I don't think he's all—he's that fast, like running in a straight line either. Actually, you know, he kind of just like bounces down on his toes. Like, you don't really see him just like yeah. sprinting from end to end. No, no, he yeah. did, he does
2: not do that. Yeah, he was on my
3: list, but I, I don't yeah. think he—he he wouldn't be in contention for me. I don't think. Okay. Um, okay. So I—I I got one here. I mean, I'm going to th- throw a few kind of underrated guys out okay. there, not guys who aren't necessarily. Huge names. Hamadou Diallo,
2: definitely a big time athlete. Yeah, no skill at all, but yeah, he's—I mean, he's in the—he's in the league and got drafted off his athleticism. Yeah. So uh, he's another guy who's a little more maybe in the Derek Jones category, where he's a—he's a high flyer, but he's maybe a little slider and not quite as powerful. But yeah. I mean, yeah, he's definitely a top notch athlete. Can't argue that one.
3: Um, Gary Payton II. Yeah can't quite get there he's, quite, a, he's actually he's a little older there. now but yeah no it's just a, not even worthy of a mention i mean another guy like i i like, mean
2: i honestly i watched him a bunch in college i never felt like i was seeing a freak athlete
3: okay fair enough um yeah you know i mean there isn't really that i mean lebron is probably maybe the greatest athlete in nba history so yeah like he's still in the conversation yeah to me, even Le- now Le- Le- a-
2: lebron and russell westbrook both i think are still yes. in the conversation here. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I mean Westbrook might be the most athletic point guard ever, and LeBron might be the most athletic player ever. Uh, uh, regardless, especially when you throw in uh, his strength and size. Um, let's see here. You got any other names? Who did you pick as your as your number I, one? I wrote down
2: Ben Simmons too. Um, yeah, I went with I went with Zion number one. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying. Um, and some of his demerits. I just but, His explosive moments are so overwhelming, I guess, that that just
3: swung me. Um, Here's another one I had. I mean, I think this guy is maybe the most versatile athlete, if not the best athlete. Bam out of bio.
2: Ooh.
3: Can jump, can sprint in transition, can switch on to guys and move move laterally. Laterally, he's He's got power on the interior as well. Yes. So, you know, he's maybe not the best in any one of those areas, but when mm-hmm. you put it all together, that it, it might be him to me.
2: That's a good one. That is a good one. Huh. All right.
3: Um, Aaron Gordon as well. You know, I was surprised actually that he did as well as he did in the dunk contest, so I thought he on the court has kind of lost athleticism over the last yeah, couple know, of years. Yeah, I know, right? See, I kind of I yeah.
2: I pulled back a little from picking him for that reason.
3: Um, few others just to uh OG Ananobi. Has gotta be up there. It's got just like a slightly smaller version of Adebayo, I think, in terms of his athleticism. Uh as a center, Mitchell Robinson.
0: Yes. Yeah.
3: Jaren Fox and John Morant have gotta be in there as point guards, I think. Brandon Clark is another one for me. But yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Bam. I think I'm gonna go yeah. with Bam.
2: Huh. Okay. Okay. Uh
3: That's you, a good you, name. I'd, I'd th- I hadn't thought
2: about him. I hadn't thought about him. That's a really good name.
3: This was a tough one, though. I mean, there's so many different types of athleticism. And this yeah. is, you know, I mean, like Vince Carter was a classic example, right? Like, I think a lot of people would have said Vince Carter was the best athlete in the NBA for a while. But he was never really that quick laterally. And he wasn't necessarily that quick even in a straight line. You know, he wasn't – his first step was, like, good, but it wasn't overwhelming.
2: Right, right. He. Yeah. He. He wasn't exploding past people the way – Say a, a Westbrook type athlete does.
3: Uh, should we get to your favorite category here?
2: The worst athlete.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> so
2: this is interesting because to me there are three separate levels of this, right? The worst athlete for a big guy is going to be by far the worst athlete overall, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, to me, like like Boba and Marjanovic is clearly like the winner here, right?
3: Um, I mean, is, well, what about Taco Fall though? Can we count guys who are on two ways?
2: Oh, huh. I was, I was, I was trying to go a little more with guys who at least played a little. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's another good one.
3: Um, I I mean, they they are in the NBA, right? I mean, you you really presumably like we should be plumbing the guys who don't play that much. Like they, (laughs) of course, of course, they would be the worst athletes. All right. That makes perfect sense.
2: Then when you get to like the, the forwards, like the six, eight, six, nine guys, um, I I think the clear winner there has to be Jared Dudley.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I. I really like Jared. I think I. I just sort of lost my uh, lost my train of thought when I got to the Lakers as I was look, looking through.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he hasn't played much this year, so it's easy to kind of skip right past him. But uh, so I've got another guy here though in the backcourt. Played over fifteen hundred minutes as an NBA shooting guard. Did not block a shot. Did not record a dunk. And had a rebound rate of four
3: percent. Oh man, I, I I don't know who this is. I'm you. You're really wetting my appetite here. Uh, Bryn Forbes? Huh, Bryn Forbes? Yeah, he can like run around screens with like some level of speed, though. I think I'm. I, I mean, there's the worst statistical athlete in the league. Uh-huh. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he, he he definitely wins that one. Is he? You know, is he objectively the least athletic? <laughs> the
2: least athletic guard?
3: Yeah. Uh, let's see who else would I, I mean. Kyle Corvera has got to be up there. Bless his soul, age thirty eight, and uh, he wasn't exactly known for his athleticism in the two thousand three draft out of out of Creighton either.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I mean, he just there's some guys where they just like if you just take like two dribbles in one direction, like he's like any NBA guard is just going to go right. like he just is an absolute <laughs> tr- like, and he's he's n- by no means am I saying that he's like one of the worst defenders in the nba like he actually is very smart he's got a little bit of size like he'll fulfill his help responsibilities but just in terms of being an athlete i mean he just cannot move in any kind of a stance i mean i got another one for you here carmelo anthony he actually got a little bit better he was able to dunk a couple of times so he's probably not at like the jared Dudley level but like he might be the worst have the worst lateral movement of any player in the nba yeah, for his he, size.
2: he. I mean, he wasn't quite as bad in Portland as he was the year before, or the or the two yeah. years before, really. Uh, but it, it was still like it. Was, it certainly wasn't good. Um, but you raised an interesting question bringing him up. Who's the worst athlete among kind of star level players?
3: Oh man, that's a good question. Oh, it's got to be Jokic.
2: That. So that was the name I wrote down too. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean he he cannot. Uh, now we'll see though he's he's gotten skinny, so maybe maybe that will have changed. Um, uh, should I just roll through a few more on on my list here? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, as, as someone who has uh, lost a bit of athleticism myself lately, I, uh, I I think I was just I was revved up for this one just for for sympathizing. Mm-hmm. Um, this player got injured, but before he was injured, he was already one of the worst athletes in the NBA. Darius Miller.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean teams, like he kind of looks had, like
3: a three and d guy, and then you see the D and you're like, oh wow, he did yeah was and not I mean
2: that's why move. teams had held back from drafting him and from signing him when he was overseas was because they didn't think he was athletic enough,
3: so yeah, yeah. I and mean, Doug McDermott has always got to be in there as well. Doug
2: McDermott will dunk though, so you see, I initially wrote him down and then I wrote took him off because yeah. he he will he will get dunks in games
3: like like, some, yeah. like
2: fairly frequently.
3: And some people might say J.J. Redick, but he's fast, though. Like, he can really sprint off of screens, and guys can't keep up with him. So,
4: mm-hmm.
3: I mean, he might be the worst, like, defensive athlete in the league. But because yeah. he just, especially this year, he really was like, no one else is playing defense on this team. Well, I mean, you get the ball <laughs> down low, I'm like, maybe I'll follow you if you're lucky. Um, A few more I felt deserved to mention for sure. Okay. Ante Zizic. Wow.
2: I, I i gotta be honest, I had oh, forgotten that he was still we, in the league.
3: We we got well, I mean we, we may have seen him play. <laughs>
2: <that>. <laughs> he might not be anymore,
3: right? <laughs> hey, advanced stats, darling out of the Adriatic League. <laughs> don't don't tell me you weren't uh salivating over him and that uh that No, I mean we scouted draft.
2: him and that that was that was the thing that everyone was worried about is like, okay, this guy plays hard and he rebounds, but is he is he just not athletic enough to play in the league?
3: Uh the unicornette. Luke Cornett.
2: <laughs> Cornette. The Oh my God. <laughs> How could I forget?
3: <laughs> he, uh, but Bulls fans will tell you that, uh, the Jim Boylan defensive trapping, system <laughs> the, the high trapping scheme with, was, was not, not tailor made.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not so much. Yes.
3: Uh, that, that was not, uh, this player, I haven't seen him actually on a basketball court in probably five or six years, but he's like 40 and he's still in the NBA. I can only assume that by this point, Eudonis Haslam is one of the. Worst <laughs> ones
2: that's, <in> the <laughs> that's that's a great call. Yeah, I mean just the passage,
3: <laughs> the mere passage of time. Uh,
2: I, I would say I would say that is likely accurate. Yes,
3: <laughs> um, Frank the Tank Kaminsky, has got to be up there, especially after a patellar tendon injury. Um, I think that's about that's about so all. I, right
2: I had here. one other name on my list, uh, Svi Mikhailik
3: uh no actually i'm gonna have to send you uh this awesome dunk video of him when he was 15 like going between the legs and shit <laughs> like he's he actually can jump really like he he if you just I, I don't know what his actual vertical was at the combat like he's not like a quick twitch jumper but he can get up actually like he could do some really nice dunks he just doesn't that's like not part of his game right but like way back in the day when he was like you know playing for the ukrainian like under 16 team yeah and i was like salivating over his skills Uh, watching these mixtapes of him, like that was like part of why I was so excited about him way back then. Uh, yeah. I mean, he does short arms, all that, but I, I'm, uh, I challenge you and anyone listening to this to go watch some speed McHaley dunk videos. It's it's actually, uh, he's sneaky athletic because you know, you never see it, but are we
2: do 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 we have to like go on the dark web to find these or?
3: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, they may have just been like taken down by Eastern European censors or something. I don't know. Um, Finding a gift seems like it's harder than ever. But maybe you should think about getting someone in your life. Masterclass, a great way for self-improvement at home. You can get access to every class they have now for just $15 a month at masterclass.com slash PR with a limited time offer. What is masterclass? It lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. They're not kidding about masters. You can learn from Steph Curry on shooting and ball handling, Serena Williams at tennis margaret atwood uh, writing my wife took that class she loved it tons of actors and actresses tons of cooking classes alice waters here in berkeley is one of the luminaries that they have and if you really want to get deep into the coursework you can do that or if you want to just watch the video lessons and enjoy them you can do that too the way to get started with them again is at masterclass.com pr because john invented pr really easy to remember that masterclass.com slash pr will get you access to every class for fifteen dollars a month so really about the time i turned 30 i just started having all sorts of issues adhesions in my muscles just these knots that wouldn't go away i started to develop knee tendonitis then when i was 31 i tore up my knee playing basketball and through my rehab process everything i just have all these knots in my body and i just couldn't get rid of them for years until finally i tried theragun you could try it by the way as well risk-free for 30 days at theragun.com slash pr what it is is percussive therapy handheld you've probably seen it being used on the sidelines of nba games to help players loosen up it releases your deepest muscle tension with this scientifically calibrated combination of depth speed and power if you just have that one area on your body that just always feels tight maybe it's your hips you're sitting at your desk all the time maybe it's your lower back your glutes if you work out a lot maybe your calves or your shins if you're a runner give Theragun a try 30 days risk free no reason not to try it at theragun.com/pr I think you're going to feel a ton better. I definitely have. I'm back to working out now with abandon. I can actually do heavier weight. I'm not worried that I'm going to pull something just because something's tight and I have an adhesion. I just feel so much better with this thing. And I really encourage you to try it. Theragun.com slash PER. You remember slash PER because John invented it. That's Theragun.com slash PER. Don't forget that slash PR link to let me know that you came from us. Okay. So what's our next category here?
2: Uh, what's a good category here? All right. Let's talk about defense. Uh, best, best one-on-one defender.
3: Yeah. So I was asked this question on a mailbag a while ago. Uh-huh. And I thought that if you just had to say who's like the best guy to defend anyone in the league, you, you could, you, he might be up against the center. He might be up against uh, a guard, but he's got to guard that guy one-on-one. I think it's OG Ananobi. To
2: me. Really?
3: Yeah. Do, I mean, he's really strong. He probably weighs like 235, 240, 7-2 wingspan athletic, maybe not the greatest awareness or team defender. But if you mm-hmm. said, hey, here's one guy, I want to guard someone in an ISO at the end of the game, uh, I would pick him.
2: You would take him over Kawhi Leonard?
3: Yes, I would. Um, and in fact, I think Kawhi, you know, he looks better this year, but I'm not as into him as an ISO guard, especially against guards. I think he is really slowed down a little bit. Like he was actually in last year's finals, I know he was hurt a little bit, but he was actually getting traffic coned by Steph. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit to where they didn't they didn't switch pick and rolls where he was guarding the screener against Steph Curry last year because Kawhi was too slow and I know he's better this year but I no, I think I would take Enonob uh, now is he a better defensive player overall than Kawhi no I don't think so but just that like all you can do is guard a guy one on one that's it no screen no nothing he's my guy wow Kawhi is your guy
2: um so I wrote down two names initially Kawhi Leonard and Drew Holiday.
3: Drew, uh, I think he's just a little too small. That's my that's my problem. When I mean, you qualified I it
2: by saying defend against anyone, that obviously shifted things more toward the guys who with a little more size.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, but even like to guard a LeBron or like a KD, like Drew Drew got like lit up by KD in the 2018 playoffs, for example. Like he just doesn't have the size. Now, if you're talking about anyone like six four and under, yeah, absolutely. Drew probably would be my guy.
2: Uh, a couple other names I thought about here: Giannis, obviously uh Marcus Smart Paul George I think has some kind of case
3: you know actually uh our our boss David Locke was all over this he actually had really bad synergy isolation numbers last year and uh Damian Lillard uh did hit a pretty big shot in his face I mean now that that was terrible defense but I, I I wouldn't put him up there I think he's slipped since his Pacers days in that regard still a very good defender but mm-hmm. not quite the same one-on-one guy to me um do you agree with that or you think he's I, th- I think I think he's better this
2: than this that year. synergy data, <laughs> certainly. But yes, yeah. I mean, um, that's
3: not you know he's not one of the worst in the league. That's clearly, but um, yeah. So so OG is my guy. Kawhi is your guy. I think that's uh, that seems reasonable. I think that's
2: what I'm going to go with. Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, what's our next category here?
2: What about best help defender?
3: Yeah, I mean, is that just going to be your best rim protector?
2: Not necessarily. Um, so I, I wrote down two guys who aren't like super high level rim protectors. Actually. Yeah. Uh, the first name I wrote down was Prime Draymond Green. I, I, I don't yeah. know if we're going to quite see that player again or not, but that player is the best help defender we've seen in the last 15 years, right? Yeah. Uh, then, so I wrote down Rudy Gobert, obviously, too. Um, but then the other name I wrote down was Robert Covington, yeah. who I think is not that great one-on-one, but is just really good at playing a scheme and getting his hands in places and, and being a pain in the neck.
3: No, I agree with you. I think uh... – Jason Tatum is probably in that uh, as well. Although I think Covington might even have like more shot blocking ability than him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is Draymond. It just, yeah, you, with him having slipped, I think there's someone else who can take up that mantle maybe in these playoffs. Um, you also had best post defender on here. That's, I mean, that's your, your guy Marcus Oll. I think there's just no, there's no one even close to him. Like his size, his technique. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never really seen. Anybody have any success against him in the post?
2: The only other guy I wrote down was Joel Embiid, who was the only guy who hasn't been able to prove that he can play Joel Embiid as well as Mark does.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Mark, like he, he just does all this like subtly illegal shit, right? Like he never gets back down. I I, I mean, you saw this up close. There's probably other tricks he has that you could tell us about too. But the one that I always see is, you know, usually when the guy tries to like lower his shoulder into Mark. You know, you're not allowed to put like two hands on the guy, mm-hmm. but what he'll do is when the guy tries to shoulder into him, he'll just brace himself with that other hand, like right at the moment of contact so that yeah. the guy like can't actually like create that, that, uh, that leverage to knock him backwards.
2: Yeah. The only guy who ever saw really effectively do that against him was Ennis Cantor.
3: Interesting. Ennis Cantor. Yeah. He's, uh,
2: he's got some strength. He's and- a really unique player, like very defined yeah. strengths and weaknesses, right?
3: Yeah. I mean there was a time when he maybe wouldn't have been as unique, but uh yeah, now he's uh he's got he's got some uh some interesting aspects. Okay, let's see here. Smartest player.
2: Smartest player. Uh so there's a couple players I could nominate here. I mean, I think, you know, it, we talked about Jared Dudley before, like the whole reason he's been able to stay in the league is because he's so damn smart. But to me it comes down to two guys, right? LeBron James and Chris Paul.
3: Yeah, LeBron has definitely gotta be up there for sure. Um CP, I mean his record. He's just had like a few kind of weird meltdowns. Like I think Chris Paul, and I put Rondo in this category too. Goes so far towards trying to be smart that every once in a while they'll be dumb <laughs> in their effort to be smart. <laughs> well, but yeah, I
2: mean, with, I think Rondo it's a little more frequent than than with CP, but yeah,
3: yeah. I, I mean, with like try being up five and trying to draw a three shot foul when the other team is intentionally fouling you in the backcourt and turning it over with that might be an example of what i'm talking about yeah
0: yeah that mm-hmm. 2014
3: game 5 against the the thunder yeah um and lebron i mean he he's smart like so much of like chris's smart is just fooling the referees and i i'm not down with that i'm down, like lebron does relatively little of that unless he's trying to draw a flagrant foul he just manipulates everything on, on the floor um draymond would be up there for me too andre Guadalupe would be up yep. there for me too yeah yeah,
2: yeah, uh, certainly Draymond Green, especially. I mean, you talk about defensive intelligence. Um, Kyle
3: Lowry, Marcus All gotta be yeah, up there too. Yeah,
2: they're 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 definitely up there. Um,
3: I think Paul Millsap doesn't get enough credit for how smart a player he is. That's a good one. PJ Tucker is probably gonna be up there for me also. But yeah, I mean LeBron because he's able to do it in every aspect of the game. I think is is where I, I would have to go with him, and, and probably Draymond would probably be second for me.
2: I think, you know, as you talk about it, I think that's probably fair. We we don't think about Draymond as much because he doesn't have the ball in his hands, but yeah. just an, Yeah,
3: an but incredible... when he does, he throws great. I mean, like, Draymond, to me, just has more of an understanding defensively of what the other team is trying to do than, like, pretty much anyone that I've ever seen.
2: Yes. Yes, without a doubt.
3: Um. Now, I mean, do you want to say that doing a bunch of dumb shit and getting yourself thrown out of the game or suspended, does that make you less of a smart player? Ah, uh, that's arguable mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like not being able to keep your cool that's arguable it's C- C-
2: yeah so C- certainly there's one uh, there's one leg kick that that was uh, not the smartest move
3: um most mistake prone player <laughs> i've I've uh, adapted the language on this one so I, the, uh... I have one that people are gonna be like, what the hell but it's like this guy is an order of magnitude. Beyond everyone, I'm going to save that one for right now, though. I want to, I want to hear what you come up okay,
2: with. Okay, so the first name I wrote down was your friend, Colin Sexton.
3: Uh, he was on the list for me, yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually wrote down any calves perimeter. Book.
2: <laughs> Matthew Delavidova does not deserve this.
3: That's true. Um. No, De- Del- Deli-, Deli does not deserve it. Um, is Brandon Knight still on that team? He's,
2: he still is yes yeah, t-
3: yeah. Dante XO, I'm like you guys sorry sorry to paint you with such a broad brush here
2: <laughs> uh two other names I wrote down uh Terry Rozier and uh Russell Westbrook uh,
3: hmm Russell Westbrook I mean offensively Westbrook I think is calmed down on the bad shots a little bit I mean I think you can think he's, of a bad shot as a mistake
2: yeah um, he's so I I hesitate on the, it, it would have been easier to pick Russell. Maybe three years ago, when there were a lot more bad shots and he was a lot more prone to running himself out of plays on defense, which I, yeah, I think in, in an odd way, as he's lost a little bit of athletic pop, he's done that stuff less.
3: Yeah, and it's tough too to like distinguish between mistake prone and just like not willing to put in the effort. You know, I think for him on defense, it's kind of it may be more that than it is just like straight up making mistakes um so those are the two you had i i got quite a list here okay and, let's and, hear it let's hear and, it i'm and, excited I mean, you're for going this. you're going with like more major players but by definition guys who are on the bench more are probably there because they are mistake prone so here's okay. a here's a few for you okay uh sad as this is to say since he does have some talent and he also spent some time under you in Memphis, Bruno Caboclo.
0: Okay. Does okay.
3: Not. Uh, would you agree with that? Or I mean, certainly in the beginning it was. Do you think he's improved enough to to not be on this list anymore?
2: He. he uh, it's close.
3: <laughs> uh, Josh Jackson has to be yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, improved so, so, a little bit this year, but yeah. I And mean, just some, some of the shots that he would take in particular. Um, Jackson Hayes had no idea what he was doing <laughs> this year yeah. whatsoever. Okay.
2: There's a good. One. I kind of laid off the rookies a little, but yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we're, th- yeah. you can get off this list, right? Like, a yeah. year ago, DeAndre Ayton would have been on it, and he improved, and he's not, yeah. on, he's not yeah. on this list. Okay, okay. Uh, Robert Williams, Celtics, he's got to mm-hmm. be on there. Mm-hmm. Another guy who just, oh, God, man, he, if, 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 he'd struggled with injuries, too. But uh, Mike Scott probably just didn't get a very good education at whatever school he went to. <laughs> oh,
2: man, here we go. I still can't believe they used yeah. that $5 million exception on Mike Scott.
3: Um. Okay, i got a few more. I mean, Hassan Whiteside has to be on any any of these lists. Yes, yes. Uh, Zach Levine? Yeah. I. He just loses his man so the, often. The, the,
2: yeah, the defensive mistakes are just so egregious that, yeah, it probably... And then some of the stuff he's done at the end of games, too. Shot selection, not amazing. Yeah.
3: Um, deep cut here, his teammate Cristiano Felicio. <laughs> By the way, I'll I'll have you guys know that we usually record at like at six o'clock Eastern on Sundays, and I actually texted John to say, "Hey, can I have until uh six thirty? I'm really like kind of getting into this,
2: <laughs> so he could do more research. So this is on this Cristiano
3: is, Felicio's mistakes. <laughs> this is this is the product of that extra that extra thirty minutes of preparation. Um. Michael Porter Jr., he'll probably grow out of it, but certainly oh, I mean, he, yeah. gets, he big, gets yanked because of his mistakes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Siku Demboya, not Clearly. really quite Clearly. ready yet, um, but the easily the most mistake prone player in the NBA. Oh,
2: okay. This is exciting. This, this is exciting. Is I can't wait for this.
3: Alan Smiley
2: <laughs> You know what's crazy? I thought you were going to say a different Warriors rookie. <laughs>
3: Oh, Jordan Poole? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Pool. Jordan Poole actually kind of knows what he's doing a little bit. Okay. Um, no, Smiley Geach, I mean, he's just running around out there like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, mm-hmm. he has some ability, but I mean, I think like the language barrier, he just, even having played in the G League last year, like he just gets out there and he has no idea what's going on. I mean, he's making like one mistake every possession. Like it's, it is... Just incredible. I mean, and he's a crowd favorite. So, like, they always wanted to play, and he had to play at times this year because yeah. they were just so injured. And man, no, it's, uh, I mean, I think he'll get off this list eventually, but he is the one who you just got out there and it's like, like, he can't even put his shorts on the right way. Like, it <laughs> right. Is, like, uh, you, you, yeah.
2: Two, so, two, two guys here that I, that I didn't hear you mention, uh, Dwayne Bacon.
3: Yeah, that's, that's not one who was on my, on my radar.
2: Yeah. Big, uh, Big, big mistake, guy. He did.
3: Um, he did fall out of the rotation rather early this year.
2: And then uh, th- the other guy, who I who I think actually, if he had played more this year, probably would be number one on on both our lists. Uh, Stanley Johnson.
3: Well, he's not going to beat the Geach, but uh, <laughs> the for, Geach for me. I mean, just being in the arena <laughs> for those performances is something that I think I'll I'll always remember. Um,
4: <laughs> Your most cherished memory. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new SiriusXM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host Lechina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.
1: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings Good Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients, and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
3: From the 2019-20 okay. Warrior season. All right, let's. Uh, we probably got like another half hour here. Let's uh, let's let's blow through some of these other categories. Best long-range shooter. Clearly, there's one player
2: who still has to be at the top, right? Yeah. I mean that's yeah. not that's not even a question. So, who do you put at number 2 behind Steph? Uh, I mean,
3: it might be Clay still. I mean, it, it, we don't know what he's going to look like coming off this ACL. He just got cleared actually for yeah. full contact, but
2: I think Davis Bertans has a really good case here.
3: Yes. Yeah, he should be on there
2: cuz I and I was really focusing on guys who can hit from 5 feet beyond the line.
3: Big time. And and shoot on the move. I mean, cuz this is this question is not all right, if you just put someone in an empty gym and they've got all day to get their shot off, they're in the three-point contest. Who would you pick? It's actually being able to get your shot off, the combination of volume and versatility and actually having the ball go in.
2: Yeah, and then uh, I think Damian Lillard has to be in there somewhere, too.
3: Absolutely, too. I mean, now, he's never been above 40%. He got up yeah. pretty close, but yeah, the the difficulty of his attempts. And then uh J.J. Reddick and Duncan Robinson have got to be on there, too. Uh, Robinson in particular, just the the... And it's interesting that he kind of take these guys with natural shooting ability and they make them into these crazy bounces. Like they did that with Wayne Ellington too. Like before Wayne Ellington got to Miami, he wasn't like coming off of screens and just shooting at the moment it hit his hands, even if he wasn't facing the basket. And so they got him to do that. They got Duncan Robinson to do that too. Their, their development program is awesome.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they also realized that that was the way to optimize it. Cause I mean, when Wayne Ellington was with us, like he could, he could shoot off a pin down then it yeah. just wasn't something that was organic to to what we were doing like it wasn't integrated into how we played as well uh that i thought they did a really good job not not only uh not only encouraging that part of his game and develop taking it further but also integrating it into their game planning so that when he checked in they had a they had a series of sets that they could run that included pin downs for him as part of it
3: yeah it's a great way to get some stuff on the second unit when you don't have a ton of talent is to try to just have that guy with gravity who can run off some screens. Yeah. Um. So Steph is would be number one easily, obviously, and I mean I'm still I think I'll still stick with Clay for number two, but he, he's going to have competition. He's going to have to earn that title next year again. Yep, for sure. Um. Not pictured Kevin Durant for for best long range shooter. I think he's kind yeah. of more of a mid range. Yeah. He could be. I think one of the best long to me. Range
2: to me, the thing with Durant for me, I always thought he was a. A really good shooter, but it's just his, his, because of his size, he just always gets his shot off. No James Harden on this list? Huh. Yeah. The
3: highest volume three-point guy basically in NBA history.
2: Yeah, and a lot of them are deep, too. And, yeah, he probably should be. Yeah.
3: and I mean, now he can't shoot on the move off the ball at all. It's all on ball or maybe just a wide open spot up. So, like, And, he, ne- you know, he, he takes hard enough attempts that he's never going to get above about 37% or so. But, I mean, I think if you're going to have Lillard on here, you probably would have to.
2: Yeah, have you have to have too. Harden if you have Lillard. I agree with that. Yeah,
3: Best mid-range shooter. That's That, I think, is Kevin Durant to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's a decreasing field. Uh, yeah. I think you look at Kawhi Leonard. And yeah, then you, those
3: are the two to me that are above anybody else.
2: And then you get into kind of a different tier of player when you get into, like, the DeRozan and CJ McCollum and guys
3: like that. CJ is up there, too. He's really, really good. Um, you know, Steph Curry, if he actually went to the mid-range more, I mean, I think he holds the NBA record uh, at, like, I think he shot, like, 59% from mid-range one year. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, he's not taking as many of them. Uh, but it, it's because mid-range is more about being able to get your shot off, too, than just making it. So, KD and Kawhi are just, you know, can get that space anytime. time.
2: Yeah. Uh, Chris Middleton.
3: Yes. Yeah, that's, that's one. That he's probably... Would Probably number, number three,
2: three, as you think yeah. about it, right? And yeah, certainly I mean, he, this year he was. I mean, he was awesome this year.
3: Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where he can get into that 50% range where you're like, okay, this is actually, not only is this a shot that we want at the end of the clock, but like we'll take this at any time in a half-court set. Best floater in the NBA.
0: You know who I have to go
2: with here.
3: Uh, the ball did not go in on Mike Conley's floater. As this much year. this year.
2: Yeah, I know. His last two years with us, or last two full seasons with us, He was 47 and 49% from three to ten feet, which is unbelievable. Um, so uh, but yeah, wasn't wasn't quite as good this year. I agree. He missed a lot of right-handed floaters this year, especially early in the season. Uh let me give you a few other names I wrote down. Uh some of them are deep cuts. Uh Trey Young, uh able to make floaters at full speed, which I think is really difficult. Uh Luka Doncic actually had a little bit of floater game this year, which was kind of neat, right? Yeah. Tyus Jones. Good floater, rarely gets yep. all the way to the rim. Good floater shooter. Uh, here's an interesting one: Rashawn Holmes taking yes. little pocket
3: passes and flipping them in. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a lot of bigs are working on that. Brooke Lopez was really like the first guy to shoot that floater off uh, off the pick and roll, like a little bit shorter of a roll. He's still got a good one too. He doesn't shoot it much, but he's he's uh, he still deserves to be mentioned. Um, Jokic has got to be in there. His he shoots just an incredible – I mean, some of it is kind of like hook shots a little bit. Yeah. But he'll shoot this floater off – like right hand off his right leg. And I yeah. mean, he's just – his touch is incredible. He's had he's had seasons where he's shot, you know, in the mid to high 50s from 3 to 10 feet.
0: Yeah. 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 That's
3: um, a great one. Any, anyone else you want to mention? So I went through my list. You got anybody else? I mean, I think Trey Young is head and shoulders above everyone else on this. I'm pretty sure he shoots the most floaters in the, like not necessarily even from that range, but just if you look at it and you say, yes, this is a floater. He's got range out to 15 feet on it. He's shooting. I mean, I think he might be like f- close to 50%. It's enough of a weapon that you cannot let him shoot that shot. I mean, when right. you get to that point where it's like, no, we can, and he'll draw fouls on that thing too, with the guy behind him. A lot of times, well, the the um, the,
2: th- the thing that really impresses me is that is that so many guys they can make a floater, but to be able to make a floater while going full speed, like that's a completely different shot. Yes. And he's able to make that.
3: Yeah, and it's it's part of his package. But I mean, there are very few players where you're like you can't let him shoot that shot as a floater. Like it still is the shot that you want guys shooting most of the yeah. time. He is the guy to me. Where it's like, no, this is especially in a half-court situation when you're just comparing it to what the rest of half-court offense would be and comparing it to, especially too, because you probably got a better chance of an offensive rebound off a floater when you've gotten penetration and you've engaged the big a little bit than if you're just shooting a pure mid-ranger. So, like, that is a really, really good shot. And there's not that many guys you can say that for. So I, I think he, in terms of his volume and his accuracy, Uh, I think he's, like, a clear number one. I don't think anyone is close. He might have the greatest floater in NBA history to me. Wow. Wow. It is. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else would be in that.
2: What about Anton Jameson?
3: Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of different when you're flashing into the paint and catching it. It was a different shot for him. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you're not It's – you're kind of catching it. You're stationary. It's almost – it's, like, kind of similar to, like, a jump hook, whereas – when you're really going towards the basket with your momentum, that makes it a much more difficult yeah. shot. So I think like they're kind of two different categories. Like as a big, yeah, I think he would have to be up there for sure. Um
2: Oh, you know who I didn't mention? Uh he's not in Trey's category, but Shea gilgis Alexander.
3: Yeah. Um, okay. What's next here?
2: Let's see.
3: we gotta get worse shooter in here, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think we gotta do that.
3: And and, and you wanna do a separate division for guards too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Okay
2: worst worst overall shooter in the league. Uh th- three names came to mind for me. Oh baby. Um although I was only looking at guys who played, so uh your 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 friend Felicio might make it four. Although he's actually made a mid-range jumper once in a while. Oh yeah, no, no. there
3: was a, p- a thought that he would actually be able to shoot threes at one point. When
2: when 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 I watched him in uh, I can't remember if you were at the Treviso camp that year, but when yeah, I watched no, him he, he was shooting, was shooting mid-range rangers, jump shots, yeah. right? So yeah. uh the three guys I had were Dwight Howard, Andre Drummond and your good friend Mason Plumley.
3: Yeah, Plumley, especially like those guys will actually uncork it every once in a while, too. I mean, this is among guys <laughs> who actually will take <laughs> like Dwight hasn't really done it that much this year. But uh Andre Drummond yeah, pl- is five for thirty
2: five for from three.
3: Oh, yeah, that's that's not too good. I mean, yeah, because like Bismack Biombo would be up there, but he doesn't ever take those shots, you know? Um yeah, that is that is not not amazing. It, that, I, I think those are all excellent candidates. Plum, Mason Plumlee, especially when you consider just how ugly it is.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, and like DeAndre Jordan, he never shoots outside of there. So it's hard to put in. I mean, I guess if you put said, yeah, you got to take a bunch of mid-rangers, he probably would be worse. But um, Mitchell Robinson has got to be up there, too. There was a thought mm-hmm. that he was going to take more. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely should be up down there or up there, depending on what your uh, <laughs> what your perspective is.
3: Um, let's see if there's any Jacob Pertle.
2: Really... Yeah, shooting forty nine percent from sh- the
3: line this year. What is he from the line? Forty nine. Ooh, yeah, that's that's not too good for anybody. Clint um, Capella knows enough not to shoot. Yeah, those are. Yeah, I think I think we might I might go with Plumley. I think that's that's a good one. I'm uh I like the the Friday there.
2: While we're here, shout out to Montrez Harrell for going zero for eighteen on three pointers this year. He
3: 18 eighteen three pointers. <laughs> yes. When the hell did that happen? <laughs> I, I, I gotta wow, go back that's... and
2: look and see if they were like all end of quarter heaves or something. I but... think
3: he actually does take a lot of heaves. Yeah. Um yeah. come to think of it. Okay, what what about uh as a guard though?
2: I think there are two clear uh examples here. Uh Ben Simmons and Jarrett Culver.
3: What about Gary Payton the second? <laughs> Deep good, Gary Payton II. He's he gonna he's can't, gonna he can't win shoot something. At all. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> wow you got me you get you got me on you got me on peyton i didn't i was i was looking at i was looking at guys who were in rotations this year never um never thought about him
3: bruce brown has got to be in that conversation too bruce brown Hamadou diallo yeah i mean who there's got to be some other guys on oklahoma city too lou dort is not not too great
2: he's he's down there yeah for sure um in the what the hell happened here category, how about um Dennis Smith Jr. and
3: Alfred Payton of the New York Knicks? I mean, Smith Jr. is probably had I mean he didn't play that much, but he's had one of the worst shooting seasons of all time. Because he's actually taking them too. And like these aren't these misses aren't even close. Yeah. Like what did he shoot? Like thirty-six percent from the field and twenty-five percent from three or something this 34
2: year? Thirty-four from the field. I have it in front of me. Uh twenty-nine point six. He was sixteen to fifty four on threes. 27 of 53 from the line, 50.9%.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I have a feeling we're going to, I mean, I know he's he's been through some issues like having lost people in his family this year and stuff too. But I mean, he just, I mean, granted he he's, was never going to be at the star potential that I thought he might, but his shooting just going downhill like this, it's just, it's inexplicable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, We, we, uh, we didn't talk about Markel Fultz.
3: Yeah, that's got to be. Although as a mid-range shooter, he's actually acceptable at this point. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, and he shot, what, he shot 70 from the line? So it's really just a lack of threes with him at this point. What about your guy Jared Culver? Shooting 29.9 from three and 46 from the line?
3: Oh, yeah, that 46 from the line is real. That's like, that's inexplicable. He was like 70% in college.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Worst free throw percentage in the league uh, of anyone with more than 25 attempts.
3: That's remarkable. Stanley Johnson's got to be in there, too, by the way, as, as a terrible shooter. But probably probably we did, didn't get we, it. We've already
2: identified other areas of terribleness for him.
3: Okay. Uh, this one, you, I'm going to cede this one to you because you worked for a team, and therefore it was in your contract that you had to just be obsessing over the referees at all mm-hmm. times. Yes. Best and worst referee.
2: All right. All right. Let's start on the positive here. Let's go with that. Okay. So... Clearly, I mean, Monty McCutcheon, I think was everyone's choice of the best official. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean,
3: he, he game seven, 2016 NBA finals. He and his crew it wasn't like a single controversial call in that game. Like they did an unbelievable job in like maybe the most pressure packed game ever.
2: Uh, the guy I would probably go with, with Monty now in charge of the officials is, uh, Bill Kennedy. Okay. Who, who I think pretty, pretty consistently. Uh, like I, to me, he's just really consistent and really fair. And, uh, he, he was a little quick with the texts, I think would a little earlier in his career and, and now he's much less so. And I just think he does a really good job. Uh, Zach Zarba, I think is a guy, is a guy, a lot of people, I think, uh, yeah, that's I think he the does one a I good think, job.
3: I think that's the one that like most league people would say.
2: Yeah. The guy I think has gotten a lot better, uh, is Tyler Ford, who's his, his, First couple years, I was like, "Whoa, this like, what's up with this guy?" And and he's really gotten a lot better to me. (laughs) So,
3: I'm gonna go back and look at the the audience numbers around this time. Let's see if like the listens drop off. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, they're probably gonna go up. People like fans love to obsess about the referees, maybe uh, as much as team people do. I mean, I like you'll forgive my cynicism and having been in both media and uh, on a team, but. Every single team person I ever talk to, especially if it's during a series complains about the, the referees. And I, I just think it's like, man, like think of all the time that you spend worrying about this that like, couldn't you just do something better with your time? I mean, it's just like, it's, I know it's natural to focus on that for whatever reason, but it's just like, man, I'm think of like how much, how much internal effort the Houston Rockets put into that ridiculous report about The 2018 West Finals that they then leaked to the media.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I've definitely been on the other side of this where one of the things we always discussed internally on the team side was how much energy do you really want to put into this where, you know, it's probably not going to impact much and you you don't even know if you're going to get that official again until next year, you you know, like in a playoff series. So like to take that for data game, for instance, was probably the one example where we spent a lot of time on it just because-
3: um, uh uh no it's actually it's uh take that for data.
2: What what did I say?
3: Take that for data. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Literal <laughs> a literalist here I see. <laughs> i mean that's that's part of what made it so memorable it's like oh david fizzdale i've seen tweets about it. it's like oh david fizzdale is a data guy he's not a data guy okay <laughs> hey, I, I mean personally for me it's always going to be lieutenant commander data so that's i can't change from that but yeah. you know dave dave has uh his own uh his own opinion on things yeah
2: so anyway um It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. We do, we do spend a lot of time obsessing over the officials though, because it's just, there's this feeling that they control our fate. It's, it's, that's hard to let go.
3: Well, and, but I mean, I think what I ultimately find, I find two things kind of productive about it. Number one is, and you you can dispute me on this if you want, but is anything going to change because you complained because you worried about this, whether it's to the media or to the league or whatever? Like, do you think, is that, does anything change as a result of that?
2: I think it's unlikely to change the way your team is officiated. Um, very likely to result in you getting fined. And you know, does it does it change perceptions in the league office about the quality of the officials? You hope so. Although you, I mean, we all fill out evaluations during the year too of of the referees. But you just don't know what what happens with that either.
3: Yeah, and I think it's just it's one thing if you're really going through every single call and you know, maybe that has a little bit more credibility to it, uh, but so, so that, that's one thing that I don't think it changes much, but then the second thing is, is like, if you think, if you really think like, Hey, this is rigged against us, isn't your subconscious thought of like, we're like, Hey, why bother playing hard? Like this is rigged against us.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the messaging internally is, is tough because you want to look like you're standing up for your team if they feel like they got screwed, but at the same time you got it, you can't have that be a be their bailout either right so it's it's that's a tough road to travel a little bit and sometimes you want to do stuff internally to make the league aware of things but you don't necessarily want to make it a big deal in front of your players
3: well and when it gets into being an ad hominem thing that's where it really loses me right i think you're legitimate to say hey you know what like this is a trick that the other team is doing and referees like you guys haven't been seeing it we want to make you aware of this yeah. Like that's, that to me is okay, right? Like, hey, there's like, there's a specific kind of play where, you know, he's shoving me down below. You're missing it you know, in the post or so he's used two hands on my back in the post, whatever it is. Yeah. That's, a, you know, go talk to the referee during a stoppage or something about that. Um, but when it really gets to like, Oh, Scott Foster doesn't like us, that's when it's just, it's, it becomes counterproductive to me. I mean, I think what you just, if you just make the assumption that everyone is trying to do the best job that they can and, Hey, I want to just make you aware of this so you can do your job better as opposed to this fucking asshole hates us. Yeah. That seems more productive to me yeah. personally. But gets, I haven't, I haven't been in that situation. It gets
2: obviously. hard when there's a personality issue between a referee and a coach. That, that's, yeah. that's where it gets difficult.
3: I mean, people in the league still say that all the refs hate Mike Budnoser because of this incident five years ago where he like made contact with an official. Um, so on the referee front, I don't really focus on that as much, as I said. Mm -hmm. But the one guy I think gets too much of a bad rap from people in the league, I hear them complain about a lot, is Mark Davis. I actually, what I like about him, at least as a fan, is that he just is the least likely to fall for your bait. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't call, like, flop charges. He was, like, my hero in that 2017 playoffs when they were just calling every single three-shot foul ever. He actually, like, called offensive fouls on guys like Harden who were intentionally going through people's arms. Uh and so, just trying to draw a yeah. foul.
2: So the rap on him from within the league is that he is a good ref in terms of making correct and incorrect calls and where he gets himself in trouble and where I mean he's gotten better on this, but his his personality in relating to coaches and players and and keeping his cool through the course of the game, that, that that's a thing that is that has gotten him.
3: He he could be a little quick trigger with the tease every once in a while. But I, I'm I'm always loath to go down these routes because I'm just like, man, am I really like to really feel comfortable that I knew who the best and worst officials were, mm-hmm. it would, t- I would have to do, you know, like hours of analysis with data that I don't have. You're, it's just too prone to, you know, confirmation bias and, and all all of the things that you're just, you know, things are going to stick out and, and you don't remember all the plays that they got right. You only remember ones they got wrong. And it's just like the human brain it, to me, especially in the heat of battle, is just not capable of actually assessing Which referees are doing the best job, and so you default to the one whose personality you like and don't like. Or you know, it's funny because if you ask
2: players, the first thing they'll the first thing that if they say somebody's a bad referee, you ask them why. The first thing they'll say is, "I can't talk to the guy."
3: Yeah, and you know, I think that's true to some degree because, like, you you do need to be able to run the game. Sometimes you need to be able to just whether it's hey, you know, don't like stay in there for if you stay in there for eight seconds next time, I'm going to call this three seconds. Yeah. Or if it's, you know, hands off of him instead of calling a foul or it's all right, guys, you need to settle down here before I have to tee you up. You know, that kind of thing. I, I, I feel that. But um, it's I, I think it's very difficult to know who's actually getting the calls right and wrong. But the, the league has their opinion. They assign the same guys to work all the big games in the end. um, I mean, d- did you want to get into worse referee? I guess I, I should give you the floor here. <laughs> You now, know now a, that i've now that I've said you whatever you're going to say, you're full of shit on it uh can, can you tell me so the, so the
2: thing I'll preface with this when you say somebody is is the worst, like who is the worst player in the league? Well, the worst player in the league is probably somebody you never see play right, and so in the same way that the the who is the worst referee well it's probably someone you never see work a playoff game yeah, so the you know they select the better refs or who they think the better refs are for for playoffs games and among the people we're used to seeing frequently. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I have like, someone.
3: I'm guessing that you're gonna say, but I'll. I'll okay, uh, I mean, I
2: I was I actually was surprised. I went through the NBA referees. I I had forgotten this guy was still working in the league. Uh, like B- Bill Spooner is kind of past his sell by date. I think. <laughs> just just being honest, like I, I just I, I I thought he was really declining my last couple years in the league, and I, he worked three games this year. I I don't know if he's still gonna be uh doing this going forward I mean he's been he's been a ref for 30 years but yeah um, guy that stood out to me for different reasons I've you know I didn't go through all his tape or anything but Jason Goble is the guy to me who will follow up a bad call by giving a quick trigger T which to me is a no-no when, when the ref like screws up the call and gives a quick trigger T afterward when the guy complains about it
3: yeah that's the uh, yeah doubling down your terrible call yeah exactly Th- that that can't be loathsome
2: so, t- to me, he was the worst offender in that category. Um, guy who was kind of recently promoted, Aaron Smith. I don't know if you've seen him work a lot of games. I'd-
3: yeah. I'd, I mean, I could probably only even, like, name 15 referees. Sure. I really try not to focus on it.
2: Sure. So, t- sm- small, smaller sample size, but I I haven't been impressed.
3: I thought you were going to say John Goble. That's a different person than Jason Goble,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. So, John Goble, uh I believe it's his older brother. Uh, Who actually had the same tendency when he first got in the league and has kind of grown out of it?
3: Okay. Um, All right. We got. uh, Let's do like three more of these here. Yeah, sure. Where where you want to go next? We haven't talked about the best dunker. I mean, to me, it's Derek Jones Jr. One foot, two foot, huge length alley oops. I mean, uh, can just go get it from anywhere. Um, You know, dunk contest uh, dunks as well. I think he's he's the guy to me. He's you're the guy I most want to watch dunk. You're gonna take him over Zion? Yeah, you know I've never been that into Zion as a dunker. Like he doesn't really like dunk on dudes that much. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of got a little shorter wingspan. I don't think his hands are that big. Um, like he'll go get alley oops and stuff, and and can like dunk quick around the rim. But like if you're just like it happens every once in a while. But like the number of dunks where he just like destroys someone, you don't see as quite as many of those for me. I would put Giannis above above. Zion, so I actually.
2: yeah I had, I had Giannis on on my short list. Uh, guy people, a guy people I think don't think about as much, Miles Bridges.
3: Huh. Yeah. He likes to come in with the right hand, even though he's a lefty. I like those opposite hand dunkers. Something about that.
2: Yeah. That's always neat. Uh, I also wrote down best dunk attempter, John Morant. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis have to be on this list somewhere.
3: Yeah. I, I think, I mean, Giannis gets just the most dunks and, I just, I, I prefer the artistry of Derek Jones Jr. a little bit more. I mean, the most effective dunker is definitely Giannis. Yeah. And he dunks from angles that you just, you know, don't see. I mean, I, like the comparisons to Shaq actually kind of make some sense to me when you're talking about dunking.
2: Yeah, that's Let's a good see. one.
3: Let's what, see. What else we got here? Is that it? We can't be out yet.
2: Oh, best handle.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So three guys to me stand above the rest here.
2: I, so I wrote down Maybe three names. Four. So I want to see if we have the same three names.
3: I, might, I may, may I throw? Yeah, I think it's, it's three guys: uh, Kyrie Irving, John Morant, and Stephen Curry.
2: Wow, we do not have the same three names.
4: Uh,
2: got? But so John Morant's an interesting one. Uh, I wrote down Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul, and James Harden. Huh. Steph, Steph, I, I should have written down written down Steph. It was a mental block because I haven't seen him play this year.
3: And Kyrie is the one, you know. It's kind of the most impressive, but I'm not sure that he actually like goes by guys as effectively. Sometimes, I mean, he does this impressive stuff and put guys in the mix, but then he'll just take like a tough fadeaway, which he'll make a lot of times. Yeah, and sometimes it looks really good for him too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not say, like, but there's there might be a little bit more flash than substance, even though there's still a lot of substance. Um, I mean, jaw to me, he's doing stuff that nobody else is doing. Um. And arguably carrying the ball at times when he does it, but he's he's doing things that are really like you don't see anyone else. Like Kyrie is kind of he's doing more stuff in combination, mm-hmm. but he's not like he. I don't think he's doing stuff that just like no one else is doing. Like John, to me is doing that. And he's got he's got to tighten it up a little bit more still since because he's a rookie. Yeah, but he is just unbelievably creative, and he does it. Like it's purposeful. He does it to go somewhere. He changes direction. He creates the separation. It's not, you know, he's not doing like six or seven dribbles back and forth before he's going. It's just one move that you've never seen before with like a fake behind the back pass, like dribble forward between his legs or I, mean, I don't even know. I don't even have names for a lot of the stuff that he yeah,
2: does. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. It's, it's not like six dribbles between the legs or whatever. You're right. It's, it's quick with him. Uh, James Harden to me. Was 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 the guy I thought about just because it is so tight and so low? Yeah, like he plays with guys so far up on him, and they never get a hand on the ball. Like like when was the last time you saw him get his dribble picked? I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but for the, for the amount of time he is dribbling the ball, actively dribbling the ball with somebody closely pressuring him, and it 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 doesn't get taken. Like he'll he, when he even when he makes turnovers, it's not lost dribble. It's you know bad. Bad pass or got it stripped on the way up or whatever.
3: I agree. And I mean, especially because his game a lot of times is he wants to get his body as close to you as possible to create the separation so he can step back. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely as a two guard, his handle is awesome. I and mean, he doesn't, he's just not quite like blowing by guys. Actually, I think someone who's really underrated. It's not flashy is uh, Luca.
2: Yeah. You know, his hit, ha- his handle's gotten a lot better. I actually wrote about this earlier in the year. Yeah um and and it's one of the things that really has has taken him to another level because even in uh in Madrid like but you could see ball pressure bothered him in a way that it just doesn't uh now in the NBA.
3: Yeah, I mean his between the legs right to left, his ability to change speeds, the fake step back, cross back over, left to right, like he's got a lot of good stuff. I mean, I think Kyrie is still the guy for me, mm-hmm. but I I could I could see, I mean, I think Morant is going to be this guy for me very soon though. Um, especially because I think he's just, it's, it's flashy, but it's also each move has like purpose and substance.
2: Yeah. He's, he's going somewhere. He's not just, he's not just doing the Ray for Alston, you know, <laughs> dribble, dribble around in circles just to look good.
3: Oh, this is one that you had that I thought is awesome. Uh, okay. Best offhand.
2: Best offhand. Uh, so this, is this obviously was a setup, uh, just for me to, to, uh, uh, say Mike Conley again.
3: Yeah. I, I think it's Steph Curry, though. I think that, like, because I mean, I know Conley shoots his floater with the right, but Steph Curry is like truly ambidextrous around the basket and with his dribble. And it, like, Conley, I don't remember him with like amazing, like, offhand finishes at the rim where he's double pumping or floating it over the defense. Like, Steph Curry, he's shooting with the left hand off like the top corner of the backboard with spin, dropping it in. Um Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's fair. See, and I, I really, also
3: think if Steph just decided to shoot a floater left-handed, that he actually could probably he probably make could it, pull like, it off. As good I have no just, doubt about that. His right-handed floater is just a little bit better. Um, anybody else who really comes to mind here? Uh, Conley was 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 right in there too. He was the, the other guy. I thought of.
2: Uh, so I really thought you were going to bring up your guy Demontis Sabonis here. <laughs>
3: Have we moved to worst offhand yet, yeah.
2: or- <laughs> least existent offhand. Um, uh, what about Shea Gilgis Alexander?
3: Yeah, he's got a nice like left-handed scoop game. Um, yeah, I, but to me, Steph, Steph is uh, like he might because because you get some of these guys where it's like like Mike Conley is a perfect example of this where it's like and Ben Simmons is another one where yeah you know they shoot left-handed. But like their actual hand really is their right hand. They just happen to shoot their jump shot left-handed, where like it's almost not even really his offhand. Like he's he's more. You're guys who are more like they're not truly ambidextrous, right? Like they're more just uh, off-handed in theory.
2: Yeah, I guess. Like Mike Conley's a left-handed dribbler, though. Like he, yeah, he still he he does other things in his life with his right hand, right? Like he plays golf right-handed, but he he still plays basketball more as a left hander most of the time
3: yeah okay well I, I i you know him better than i do uh so because i i guess does he does he shoot like lefty floaters and layups a lot or is it more right hand
2: shoots lefty lefty at the rim righty from three to ten feet
3: yeah yeah so that's that's like because i never really saw him with a ton of like great finishes at the rim with his right yeah, hand. It, yeah. I was, it's been a while since i really you know it's been a while since we've seen all these guys uh for sure best post game i got some names here Okay, let's let's hear. But, but we should talk about this first. I know we're we're running a long time, but uh, do are we talking about just who the most effective post up player is? Or are we talking about oh man, this guy Kevin McHale ask level of skills in the post, like the most fakes, the most like turnaround jumper? You know, I'm
2: the, more with the latter than just saying like Shaquille O'Neal is the best post player because he grabs yeah. the ball and dunks on everybody, right? Right. I, I
3: I want some artistry here too. Yeah, well, Embiid by the numbers both in terms of volume and effectiveness, is by far the best. Now, yeah. he does a lot of that with drawing bullshit fouls. You know, he's got, like, pretty good footwork. You know, his turnaround jumper game is kinda, is only okay. And that's the thing that you don't see anymore that you had 15 years ago is that you don't see guys with that great, like, Rasheed Wallace turnaround jumper anymore. Like, yeah. that's just not a shot that people shoot anymore. If you're a big in particular. Like, Kawhi can shoot it, but, like, a big... You know, Lamarcus Aldridge is like the only guy who really shoots that shot a lot these days.
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So he's yeah. got to be up there, right?
2: Yeah, Lamarcus is a guy I thought about. He, uh, you know, he's lost some effectiveness, but I mean, he's so good from there. Uh, Nikola Jokic certainly, yeah. uh, just because with his passing ability, especially, and I mean, he can get to a jump hook, and he's got he's got some craft there. Uh, Bobon, good post player.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's not exactly faking guys out, but. He's got like a nice touch on that jump hook.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, two size guys that I think are worth mentioning,
3: Chris Middleton and DeMar DeRozan. Sure. Yeah, and Kawhi's got to be in there too. LeBron has got to be in there, although he does it a little more with power. Uh, how about uh, Brooke Lopez? I mean, he doesn't get as much of a chance anymore.
2: Yeah, I But feel, when he gets in like,
3: there, it's really good.
2: I feel like that's- I, I would have I been more on board with that a year or two ago. I I mean, we haven't seen it as much. I, it's still, yeah. I mean, it's still some. Uh,
3: he just hasn't been asked to do it. Like when he does do it, it, I think it still looks pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's just, if I'm saying this guy is one of the best post games and you still don't ever go to it, that shows you where the post up by your center is these days.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. They'd rather have him shoot 28% from three or whatever than than post up. That's a... <laughs>
3: um, Another one that is, I mean, in terms of just effectiveness, Zion is unbelievable post player
2: that's a great point yeah i di- I didn't I didn't list him because i d- i just didn't have enough of a sample from him yeah but yeah I think I think a year from now we might be talking about it and it's not just power with him he has tremendous touch he has good footwork uh he's he's got a nice package to go to down there
3: yeah if he starts actually being able to use his right hand which he's gonna have to do against like the really big teams i mean he can overwhelm 28 of the teams in the league but like Milwaukee and L.A. he could struggle against a little bit, so yeah. he's going to have to get a little more craft there. But yeah, I mean, he just one hard dribble, the quick, the quickness with which he attacks, I mean, guys just cannot deal with it. Um, all right, uh, what did you write about for The Athletic this week before we go?
2: So I took a look at uh, 20 players, the best 20 players, in my opinion, that are out there on the market that teams can sign this week. The NBA players can start signing players on Tuesday for the revised season, or for the teams that are eliminated, they can sign players, too and they have a week to do it. So, I took a look at the top 20 guys that are that te- are out there for teams to sign.
3: It's uh it was a scintillating list, I have to say. <laughs> now, there are a few names on there that I hadn't been thinking of that I was that I was glad you mentioned. It's uh but by design there's not like unbelievable guys on. Typically
2: there. at this point in the year, you're it's it's not quite like the first day of free agency. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah. All right, well, thanks again for listening, and we will talk to y'all in 2 weeks time. Till then.